The Political Process Podcast, hosted by activist and youth politician Clayton Herbst, with youth activist guest stars from around the country. Together we are explaining the American political process and diving deep into the details of the system. Episode 7, Debates. Advertisements and social media posts are great, but there's no better way to highlight the difference between two opponents than a debate. This episode will discuss how to prepare for a debate, how to act, and all the details. Today we are joined by special guest Jacob Abraham. Jacob Abraham is a libertarian in New York who's a frequent debater on the Herbst Movement server. He predominantly does economic debates, and he is effective at changing people's minds, including my own, through bringing new perspectives on tired issues. Some of his favorite topics are healthcare, guns, minimum wage, and social security. Although he is a frequent debater, he doesn't have an official debate record, since most of the time he is doing conversational debates. Although he doesn't have the experience of directly working on a campaign, I believe that his amazing debate skills are just as valuable on this episode. Thank you for joining me today, Jacob. Thanks for having me, Clayton. So, Jacob, you and I both have been part of debates. However, our listeners may not have. Can you explain the general layout of a debate? Yeah. So, most debates, regardless of their style, follow a simple pattern of the st- of the two debaters make opening statements, and then generally there's some sort of rebuttal and then a crossfire. Although conversational debates are a little bit different, as in in a conversation you may not there may not be a formal opening statement, and it's gonna be mostly crossfire. But most debates, especially those are live or presidential debates or just general candidate debates, will always follow that template. Now, what is the point of a debate? Why do candidates debate? So I would say the point of the debate differs on what kind of debate it is. So generally, I do conversational debates, which is much more about changing people's minds and hearts. And so a candidate debate, generally like in any form of candidate debate, whether local, state, or federal, generally it is more about changing the voters' opinions. And oftentimes they don't bring out very complex points because a lot of voters may not be the most educated on the topics and a lot of them may not have time to become educated on topics. And as such, a lot of candidates like to keep it simple and the more about changing the voters' minds rather than the opposing candidate exactly right um highlighting that difference is uh, the main point of the debate now how would one prepare for a debate like that or any debate in general so a big thing that you can do to prepare for a debate is basically do your research. So this can include just doing preliminary debates. For example, before I go into debate with someone, I may find someone else that has the same opinion as the person I'm going to debate and then test out some arguments with them, see some rebuttals, and then use those rebuttals to then prepare against them so that when I go into debate, I'm much more prepared. But a big thing you want to do is analyze their past debates to see what kind of arguments they bring up, to see generally what they use, and so how you can counteract that. And a huge part of being in a debate is the preparation, because a lot of times during a debate, you're nervous, you're sweaty. Uh, oftentimes, uh, I will refer to it as your brain dying, but it does happen. And oftentimes when they bring up something that I'll, in a usual conversational debate, maybe able to refute fairly quickly in a formal debate is a lot more pressure. So generally, if someone brings up something that you haven't heard, you may have a very hard time refuting it. And so one big thing is preparation, because a lot of times you're not going to be able to come up with arguments on the spot. So in all this preparation, how do you then use it when you're debating? How do you write it down or what do you do so that it is accessible to you while you're on the debate stage? So I would say a big uh, sort of pit that a lot of people fall into is keeping notes. 
Now, I'm not saying I don't keep notes. However, my notes are mostly just for just for flow and organizational purposes. For example, I have generally for my notes is just sources laid out and everything. So if I'm in a debate, I can just easily give them to my opponent. I could share them and people know what I'm talking about. And so what you don't want to do is you don't want to have notes all the time. So if you have notes all the time, then uh, you want to you want to stray away from more talking points. You, I'll go into this later. I get I think, but you want to go into more original thought, which is really what brings about change and especially changing minds. So you would agree that it would be less important to have a script and more just little facts and points. Absolutely. One thing you generally want to have is maybe just a few facts that you want to sprinkle in and exact numbers, uh, but definitely notes is something you want to stray away from. Okay, so how do candidates debate? So you mentioned before that, you know, there's a conversational debate, there's, for example, Lincoln-Douglas, all these things, and candidates are kind of like a mashup. So how do they debate? So generally, the way candidates debate is much less about debating the candidate and the idea of much more talking with the people and also attacking the candidate almost. Because a lot of times, instead of actually attacking their ideas, candidates will attack each other. Because what you have to understand is in pol- in politics, right, the more upper stage, they're going to be talking to a much wider voter base. And so what they really want to do is they want to try and go at their opponent rather than the idea. Whereas in a conversational debate, I will refrain from using any sort of personal attacks or uh, well, not that's generally bad in most debates, but uh, most thing most things that you want to do is in a candidate debate you do want to go after the person because of the fact that you're talking to a wider audience. But in more of a one on one conversational, then you want to go after the idea because going after the candidate can oftentimes uh, stump any sort of effect to change their mind. For example, if I start if Clayton and I are in a debate and I start attacking him personally and I actually do change his mind, it's a lot harder for him to walk back what he said and admit that he changed his mind. Whereas if I'm a lot more nicer and if I'm very, you know, kind and empathetic to his position, it's a lot easier for him to walk back what he said and he's like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm changing my mind on something. But in a presidential debate or cannot debates again, changing your opponent's mind is not necessarily the goal. Now, that is true. It's less about the opponent. It's more about the people because a lot of these debates are streamed or they are live in front of an audience, etc. Do you think it would ever be possible for a candidate to focus in a debate on policies or do you think it's always going to have to be ad hominem attacks? I would say that it would be very difficult for a candidate to actually focus on policies, as ridiculous as that sounds, because a lot of times, right, people are not going to necessarily understand complex talking points and whatnot, and these topics are very nuanced, and to actually go into that nuance, again, a lot of voters don't have the time to do research or whatnot, and so they're going to take what you say at face value, and so you can't make it too complicated for them, so oftentimes this makes it much harder to actually change opponents' minds and whatnot and attack their positions, and it makes it much easier to make cheap attacks against the opponent. I found that to be very true. A lot of people don't have the time to do their research and so if you reference for example uh, words that they won't understand or extremely complex topics it can be very difficult to sway someone's mind so if you do make it easier to understand it is a lot better for you as a debater now i have shared some of my strategies in the past what are some of your debating strategies so some of my debating strategies is really just uh, knowing the opponent as a person as well as just coming up with your own unique perspective on an argument. And Clayton, as you know, I have some very unique perspectives on a lot of different topics. And that really does help me debate someone and change their mind because if you're bringing up the same old tired arguments, right, that everyone knows their feats are from both sides and everyone's heard this before, you're not going to get anyone's mind changed. But if you bring up a new perspective that people haven't heard before, they may think, well, this kind of makes sense, you know, maybe this is true. 
Exactly. And unique perspectives, especially one like your own, like you said, can uh, bring about change because there are a lot of tired issues that are debated a lot of the times. For example, you have health care, you have abortion, Social Security. These issues, they feel like they have been decided and they've been debated out. However, sometimes you do see that unique perspective and it can affect someone's mind. If I may add on to that, uh, a lot of times people will get more entrenched into their views if you bring up the same talking points, and they'll have the same rebuttals to the same arguments. However, if you bring up a new talking point, no one's going to, uh, if you bring up a new perspective on a topic, or in general, just a new point of view, a lot of people, they just, you know, they're not going to have any arguments against it. And it sort of brings that, brings them out of their entrenched point of view and makes them actually question their beliefs and whatnot, which is a lot better than two people just going at each other. And that ties into doing research, being able to find that unique perspective and that unique talking point, right? Absolutely. Now, do you have any advice for someone thinking about starting to debate? You know, what what should they do? What should they research? Yeah, so starting to debate is a very... It's a very rewarding process, although it is rough at first. So how I started, and I think most people should start like this, is, is <clears throat> excuse me, is uh, text debates. Because when you do text debates, right, you generally I started on Reddit, right? I went on like uh, more political subreddits, and I started to debate there in the comment section. So what you can do is when you're in a text debate and someone sends your response to what you said, you can then go out and do research and then get back to them. There's a lot less pressure. There's a lot less speaking pressure. So if you have a stutter and whatnot, a text debates can really help you prepare and take a lot of the nervousness off you and it can allow you to really think and do more research. And so generally text debates are really good for starting off because again, you do have that time. It's a lot less pressure. And the biggest thing here is that with text debates, you can. This really helps you with research, since you can see a lot of the arguments out there from a lot of different people, as well as this, you can easily just go out and search up refutes to that argument, find studies and whatnot. So it's a lot easier for building your own opinions. Now, once you get off text debates, I wouldn't go instantly to like live debates. I would try and start more conversational debates with more of your like your friends. Although you know, I wouldn't go into like too. I wouldn't let it get too heated because you don't want to destroy friendship. But um. In general, debating with your friends can be a huge goal because then it, it, debating with your friends is a lot more calmer, so a lot less pressure on you, so it's a much easier way to e sort of ease into voice debates. And then once you go from there, I would try conversational debates with strangers. Uh, there's a lot of debate servers out there on Discord. Blue Politics is one that I'm a part of. They're generally very active, and you can gain a lot of new perspectives and whatnot from there. And so once you're from there, right, you have all this research under your belt, you learn how to speak a bit more, and really, once you get a lot of research, if you truly understand the concepts you're going to start to form your own opinions on topics and more nuanced views and more perspectives that people haven't heard before and bring new fresh ideas to the topic and that really happens when you learn the concepts which is why i think you know you shouldn't really have notes you should just have sort of facts that you can jot down in sources because if you have notes and you're really just repeating talking points however if you actually look into the issues find the concepts and find a new point of view and really dig into it and it takes a lot of time i'm not going to lie to you it does take time to make a nice nuanced and new opinion. However, at the end, it is really worth it because that's really how you change people's minds. Now, once you start doing like live debates, which um, I personally don't do much of because it, it is a lot more pressure and all the time, like it's a lot, easy, it's a lot harder to sort of backtrack something you said because you are live. But uh, one, uh, I'll give an example of my series of healthcare debates. I had done three in the past of live debates. So it's not necessarily a horrible thing to lose a live debate because then you could see, you know, then you can maybe rethink your position and you can really come up with a new point of view. So my first healthcare debate, as an example, uh, I went up against a pretty educated guy. He was advocating for Medicare for All, he was advocating for deregulation. 
And yeah, I'm not going to lie. He destroyed me. So then I went back, took a step back, and I did some more research, right? I did some more research on different point of views, uh, some of their feats of what he said. Then I thought, okay, I'm ready. So then, excuse me. So then I went up against another guy for healthcare, the same topic. And I had pretty much the same point of view. I just had to refute to one of his arguments. And then he started bringing up details, which, you know, how much would your plan save and whatnot. So that's a big thing of introducing policies. So you want to make, you want to actually do research on implementation and the actual nitty gritty of it, because that helps make your plan look a lot more realistic. For example, I personally am against social security. So when I tell someone that, you know, we should get rid of social security or phase it out, they're like, you know, that's, that's crazy. You can't do it. It's going to be extremely difficult. So then what I did is I went into a Google spreadsheet, right? I found all the numbers, right? And I come up with an actual realistic plan on how to phase out Social Security. And so if you come up with a realistic plan and you come up with the numbers and whatnot, it makes you seem like you're a lot more prepared, A. And B, it makes what you're saying seem like a much more realistic probability rather than, you know, just what would happen in an ideal world. So that's a huge thing. You want to give realistic numbers and estimates. So this ties into what happened in the second healthcare debate, right? I didn't have any estimates for pricing. So then I went back to the numbers, the statistics, the charts, the studies. And in that, I found a new point of view. And then my third debate, which was the final one. Uh, it ended in like 20 minutes because I had all the numbers and whatnot. I brought up a new point of view and sort of all of his arguments previously just didn't apply anymore. And I'm happy to say that I actually changed his mind. I felt like I made a genuine change. So again, biggest things you could do is you want to go from text debates where it's low pressure, do research, learn the concepts. Then you want to move on to debates with friends, people you know, less pressure. And then you can move on to live debates. And if you lose a live debate, it is not the worst thing in the world. You have to keep going. And one thing that I do see some people trying to do is trying to debate people that are lesser than them. I'm not, I'm not like not lesser, but that have less knowledge on a topic than them for an easy win. And let me tell you this, this is one of the worst things you can do as a debater because A, it inflates your ego, and B, you don't actually learn anything. Rather, what I would suggest is debate people that are better than you because then you actually learn something. Uh, you you can learn from them, you can learn from their perspective, and then you can make new arguments based off that rather than just crushing people who know less than you and not actually gaining anything or contributing anything to the conversation. That's a very good point. And that advice applies for all kinds of debates. So conversational, Lincoln-Douglas, congressional style, all those debates, they can start in text and they can work all the way up to live debates. And I would highly advise, as Jacob said, going to some of those uh, that online, going to Discord servers and uh, starting out from there. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would highly recommend is Reddit because a lot of times like people post and then you go into the comments and so what it allows you to do is gives you a huge flexibility of time and also a lot of times you can copy and paste what they're saying so it's much easier to track down links and whatnot and it's a lot easier to do research through that. But I will say the bad, the sort of alternative, the downside to a text debate is it's very rare that you'll actually change someone's mind over text. It's a lot easier to do it over voice. And so that's why I'd say you want to sort of stop, start moving away from text debates in the future because with text debates, right, it's a lot harder to change someone's minds. They see you less of a person, more of you as a talking point, although it is very good in the beginning just build up arguments and build up confidence. Definitely agree. Yeah, so my TikTok, although I don't post much, I will try my best to start posting in the future. It's no step on snack one. Our, our Discord server that we're on and you can debate me on, talk to me on, is Mock-United States. That's Clayton's server as well. It's a really fun time out there. I'm running for president, so is Clayton. The race has been a lot of fun, at least for me. Uh, 
So one thing I would re- recommend going to is Blue Politics, again, on Discord. It's a Discord server that there's currently seven people debating in politics right now. So it's a great server to try and get out some of your worries and try conversational debates more. There are a lot of great people on there. Uh, one last thing I would try is uh, Reddit. So again, as I mentioned before, you can go on like r slash libertarian, r slash communism, socialism. There's capitalism versus socialism. There's subreddits dedicated purely to debate. And so if you go on there, you learn a lot of great arguments. And even if you don't type, you can see what other people are saying. You could track uh, people, other people arguing and you could sort of take off from their talking points and sort of make a new point of view that you take from a mixture of other people's talking points. And as a final note, uh, if you are a libertarian out there, generally, or even any ideology, you'll generally find that a few select list of almost groups of websites will have a lot of the refutes that you're looking for and a lot of the sources. So if you're a libertarian, generally Mrs. Institute has a lot of great articles out there. Uh, and generally those, those are You'll generally have a side of that for like lift, uh, liberals and conservatives. For conservatives, you might have like Breitbart or there's a bunch of them. But generally, for debates, you want to stick. You want to stay away from articles like from like CNN, Fox News, any more article style. And so articles are actually good in the beginning, just to like get your arguments and find out what where you actually stand. But when you start after you sort of learn the basics, you want to move on to actual studies. And Google Scholar is great for this. You just go in Google Scholar and type in anything. Generally, you can come up with search results. So these are some great things I would recommend, just some general sources. If you're a libertarian, Mrs. Institute is great. And maybe start looking at some uh, like almost role models for your ideology. Like if you're a libertarian, you may want to look at Jordan Peterson debates or Milton Friedman debates or Peter Schiff, all these kinds of people. And if you're a communist or socialist or democratic socialist, whatever, then you may want to look at predominant figures from almost your side. All right. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That was Jacob Abraham out of New York. I implore all those who wish to get involved in politics to practice debating and get some skill before they do. There's a very big difference between an argument and a debate. That was episode 7, Debates, where we discussed why candidates debate, how they debate, and all the intricate details. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Political Process Podcast, hosted and edited by Clayton Herbst. Thank you to our special guests for joining us today. Tune in next time. Release dates every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.